0: Cleveland Schmooze is sponsored by the Cleveland Jewish News. Get the latest news and information from the Cleveland Jewish News delivered right to your inbox. Choose from breaking news, daily headlines, community life cycle notices, arts, events, highlights, and more with our free e-newsletters. Sign up now at cjn.org slash e-signup.
1: Welcome to Cleveland Schmooze, a bi-weekly podcast about the people who make up Jewish Cleveland. We're your hosts, Robin Rude and Rachel Rude. This week, we're bringing you an interview with historian Sean Martin, who's not Jewish, but he is the Associate Curator for Jewish History at the Western Reserve Historical Society. We spoke to Sean
0: Martin about archiving Jewish culture at B'nai Asher Congregation in Pepper Pike. So, Sean, thank you so much for joining us on Cleveland Schmooze.
2: Thanks. It's great to be here.
0: So what is it about Jewish culture and heritage drew you to want to study it?
2: You know, the questions of Jewish history are really fascinating. I was very interested in, in the, the fact that Jews define themselves as a religious group, as a nation, as an ethnic group, as a cultural group, as a community. And, and everybody has a different definition. And so that was a fascinating, <laughs> those are fascinating questions. And I thought at some point as an undergraduate, I thought those are questions that you could spend a lifetime studying mm-hmm. and, and you can.
0: Is there anything in studying Jewish culture and movement and um, history that you were relating to you know, from your own life? You know, was there any sort of similarities?
2: You know, I think I would just simply say that I've learned a lot from the ways Jews have identified with being a, a smaller group, a minority group, and, and their responses to that position in society has mm-hmm. been very instructive mm-hmm. in lots of ways.
0: So can you tell us a little bit about your, how you got to the Western Reserve Historical Society? Uh,
2: so I, I finished uh, at Ohio State in 2000. I finished my PhD there in 2000. Uh, And uh, had a couple fellowships doing um, research in in Poland and Eastern Europe for a couple of years. I adjuncted for a year. I had a teaching job for a year at a very small school in Georgia. uh, And uh, was working at University of Phoenix here in Cleveland when they were here, when there was actually a, a, a campus presence here in Cleveland. And then the job came open at the Historical Society. A friend told me about it and I kind of fit. I was interested in local history, I had, some done, I had done some things in the Slavic Village neighborhood um, with what we called the Mill Creek Falls History Center, it was a small little history center that we staffed on the weekends about the Slavic Village neighborhood. I had my interest in, in Jewish history, I had done essentially a local study of Krakow, I had done kind of local Jewish history before, I just had not lived in the place where i was studying <laughs> and so so it kind of made sense and i and i so in that sense i i took the chance i thought i kind of fit for the position and, and i did and it's kind of worked out so
1: many years have you been doing this
2: i started in 2005
1: because i had you come to the synagogue and help me with the archives what year was that 10
2: well that was i helped with 140th and you're Already past 150th. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can do math. So, so time flies. Yeah, time flies. It's been almost 13 years. Did
1: you meet yeah. Rachel back then? We were doing the. Not sure. I'm not I know sure. we talked a lot. Okay. okay. Wow, so- we're both all getting old.
0: <laughs> Is that part of your job that people request your help when it comes to synagogue archives and organizing everything?
2: So the the typical spiel for what I do is that I go into the community and I collect materials related Mm -hmm. to local Jewish history. That means individuals and families, but it also means congregations, the non-profit agencies, businesses. And um, the job then of collecting and processing those materials is typically what we think of Uh, as the work of an archivist, but archivists are also involved in outreach and also research and assistance of all kinds. And so when, uh, this is a very typical thing, when an organization uh, is going to celebrate an anniversary, they come and they want to use their collections. And if there's a staff person who knows the collections, then they'll get help from that staff person. Um, I've helped B'nai Sharon with that. I'll be helping National Council of Jewish Women with that. Uh, Hadassah, Park Park Synagogue, Mm -hmm. they've just gotten materials from us recently.
0: I have two questions for you. Mm -hmm. One, what is the, in your opinion, the coolest thing that you've collected from a synagogue? And then the second part of that is what do you think is the coolest thing in the archives at the Western Reserve Historical Society related to Jewish history?
2: yeah so the coolest thing from uh synagogue came from a private family really i was was meeting with the hexter family with Marianne hexter about mount sinai and collecting materials related to mount sinai and she donated some great things and at the end she said you know my husband has this he has this thing he's had framed on the wall from his family and 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 Fairmount Temple, and I don't know if you're interested in it at all, but I'll show it to you. Um, if you want it, you can have it. Okay. And so, <laughs> so I looked at it, and what it was, was the family had the agreements that they had signed with the congregation for a seat contract, for a seat. Um, this custom was that you actually had to pay for a seat. Mm-hmm. And so they had that from 1842 1842, and then they had another one from like the 1880s and then another one from like the 1910s and the original was in German they had that translated into English and then they had the the other originals as well and so it was framed as like a series of four documents and it's great it really is is the second oldest thing we have in the archives wow now
0: And is that because, as we learned from a podcast—probably our first podcast with Jeff, Morris, um, yeah, yeah Morris—was uh, that because the synagogues back in the day used to be organized more by language, where you were from, communities?
2: Well, so it That's was a German. Was it was language. a German-speaking Jewish community that was here, and mm-hmm. so the documents were the documents were in German. Right. So those early documents are in German. Was it that yeah. curvy
0: German? Oh, uh,
2: yep, it was the that. old German.
0: And then was there anything that you wanted to point out from the archives?
2: The most interesting Mm -hmm. item in the Jewish archives. Can I come back to that? Can I
0: tell you? Well, I don't know if they're Jewish archives,
1: but when um, Steven Spielberg made the movie Lincoln, the crew came to the Western Reserve Historical Society and got all of the appropriate uh, time wallpaper or chairs or furniture pictures was from Mm-hmm. Uh, collections mm-hmm. that we had mm-hmm. that, that is, are housed in the Western Reserve Historical Society.
0: But that wasn't Jewish really. It's not Jewish <laughs> But Spielberg is that Jewish. That wasn't
1: part of the so prayer.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <comes to laughs> <it. laughs>
0: Spielberg is
1: Jewish. I want to get back to... Um, Your thesis in Krakow, and then you being in Krakow this summer for the... uh, And how... I don't know how many years ago it's been since you wrote your thesis, but how has Krakow and the situation for Jews there changed because the international... um, Jewish genealogical is coming to Cleveland, which is why it's
2: relevant. So I did my research in Krakow in the 90s, and I finished my PhD in 2000, and I published my book on Jews in Krakow in 2004, and that's already a long time ago. Uh, Since then, there have been real changes in the Jewish community there. Uh, There are changes that started really in the, I would say, even in the 80s, when the Jewish cultural festival is started by, actually by non-Jews, and there's real development of kind of Jewish culture by non-Jews in Krakow. So that's kind of the first part. But then the second part was really actually Jewish life and Jewish culture done by Jews, for Jews. And that came about really through the establishment of the Jewish Community Center in Krakow. And uh, there's a very interesting story about how that is formed. Um, Prince Charles had a hand in that and, and, when he visited Krakow and the Jewish community in Krakow, he w- he asked what was needed and they said we need something like uh, a place for the seniors to meet. He took that idea back home with him and then came back and said that he wanted to help the community make that a reality and from that came the the Birth and growth of the Jewish Community Center in Krakow. It's more or less a Jewish Community Center along the lines of what we would think a Jewish Community Center is like here in the United States. Um, It's been run by an American for the past 10 years now, Jonathan Ornstein. And it has grown. There is now, uh, in addition to all kinds of programs for the admittedly small Jewish community in Krakow, um, it includes all kinds of cultural events, it includes a, a Sabbath dinner to which everyone is invited, and of course on a weekly basis. Um, it includes now, most importantly though, a Jewish preschool that has opened. Uh, that's, this must be the start of its second year. And so that's... That's a significant change, that there are young Jewish children in a Jewish school. So what was the main thing? For the first time since the 1940s.
1: When you subscribe to the Cleveland Jewish News, you receive 52 issues of the award-winning CJN and 15 total magazines, including J-Style, Canvas, and Balanced Family. Try the Cleveland Jewish News for free. Start your six-week free trial at cjn.org. What was the main theme of the convention that you went to, the conference?
2: So I just came back from the annual conference of the International Association of Jewish Genealogy Societies, and that was held in Warsaw. So this is a conference of all of the various genealogy society groups across the world. And it's an international group, they've had international conferences before in Jerusalem and Paris. Um, but they're usually in the United States. Uh, This was the first time they held a conference in Eastern Europe, Mm -hmm. and it was um, at the Hilton in Warsaw, actually located uh, just outside the former walls of the Warsaw Ghetto. There were fragments of the Warsaw Ghetto wall just a a few blocks away, Mm -hmm. and I think there were about 750 attendees from around the world, Mm -hmm. and it was a great week full of, of... Panels and discussions and all kinds of different events. Uh, some some people did research in the archives uh, in Poland looking for relatives. Uh, others went to ancestral towns and and found traces of information there and, and saw what things were like in those towns. So so it was a great it was a great conference. Um, I've become more involved recently with the local Cleveland Jewish Genealogy Society. Uh, I uh, work with them in different ways. I'm editing their newsletter now. Uh, I wanted to become more involved, one, because the conference was in Warsaw and my interest in, in Poland, uh, but also because the conference will be here in Cleveland next year. So, Do we
1: have any guest speakers lined up yet, or is it too early for that? Well,
2: it's too early for that, <clears throat> but it will be, I believe the dates are July 28th to August 2nd next year wow. uh, here in town. It's a... Uh, So there's
0: going to be about 700 people coming here next year?
2: They expect probably a little more. They usually get more attendees in the United States.
0: Wow. Is this the first time Cleveland's hosted?
2: Cleveland has hosted the conference? I think so, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. So in terms of Cleveland genealogy, what are some of the things that people in that group are trying to do?
2: So what the genealogy researchers are always interested in really are their own families and they are researching those roots. Some of them have connections to Cleveland and Northeast Ohio, um, others don't. Others may have, you know, maybe they were the first generation in their family to move here and, and their roots are elsewhere. Um, but they really come together because they can help each other find, find information about their families. They can share resources, they can share ideas. The local group here meets every month uh, they have programming, and they draw... They have about 100 members. But we all are interested to some extent. And I think what was so... I mean, what was so, I think, special about having the conference in Warsaw, really, was that we were in the place, literally, where Jews were returning. Mm. Uh, they were returning to their home communities after 1945. And and they were searching for their roots. They They were searching for the survivors of their family and and most of those Jews of course those survivors left Poland at some point right mm-hmm. but now others are, are still interested and they're going back to fi- to find and that's that really is important we need to kind of encourage that connection
1: do they have tours like you could join and then they would find you know, they would you tell them where you think you might have family and
2: well so there are um the difficult thing about doing this research is that it often means you have to go to the libraries and archives that are there. And right? you don't speak the language. Right. So so that can be handled any number of ways. Sometimes people go, they make the trip on their own and they find translation help and they go to the archives themselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, sometimes people hire professional researchers to do some of that you know each researcher decides how much they want to do or how little right Mm -hmm. um uh, and then of course yeah there but there are certainly uh jewish heritage tour companies that you know arrange for this and and kind of make things happen if you want them to happen what most people were doing um so, for example, for those who came to the conference in Warsaw, I, I know people who were going to Lithuania and Ukraine and Belarus, and, and you know, they weren't just staying in Poland necessarily. But they, you know, they would arrange for their travel somewhere, let's say, and then they would hire a guide for a day. And then that guide would, would drive you there and, and help you with language and, and take you to what you need to see.
1: How does the internet help out?
2: Well, the internet's pretty amazing, so.
0: No, no, I. I, (laughs) So,
2: no, but what I I know know in general. So, how
0: do you use the internet? (laughs) My point is Google.
1: (laughs) You're cutting this out. My point is, is that so? Our cousin Marlis, who called me up out of the blue, Mm -hmm. she's not Jewish either, Mm -hmm. but she's a relative who somehow found me, and she we share a great grandmother and so she created a website with a fellow archivist Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. genealogist Mm -hmm. that you can find online where would a link to these different websites be if people did what my cousin
2: did well so the home for jewish genealogy is jewish gen uh, and that's been a really a phenomenon now for the past 25 years i'd say and uh, and that's kind of the kind of the clearinghouse for all these sorts of questions. And, but but really, the the way the the internet has facilitated all this research is that um, it's made uh, all kinds of indexes indexes of records available online. So that there are records from from Poland or other countries in Eastern Europe that have been put online. Mm-hmm. And and if you're able to find them, and you're able to, you've got the right names to search and 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 the records are there, you will find Mm -hmm. some of the records that you will need, and you'll find some of the confirmation of your relatives living in a specific town.
0: Have you seen the show Finding Your Roots? Uh, Yes. yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they always use DNA, you Mm -hmm. know, when they're really Mm -hmm. trying to go way far back and Mm -hmm. try to match. So I'm wondering how much DNA has been a part of, you know, genealogy for for you guys.
2: It's a it's a huge part for all the genealogy researchers now. This isn't a special area that I know a lot about, but what I can say is that that whatever one's concerns or reservations about this DNA research, um what it does is it gives people hints and clues about other relatives. So if enough people This is the theory, I guess. Mm -hmm. If enough people have done it, then you are given lists of people who might be possible, perhaps third cousins or fourth cousins or Mm -hmm. something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so that is how... That's a big step for genealogy researchers. They can then go to those people Mm -hmm. and confirm the relationship Mm -hmm. through traditional sources. Mm -hmm. And that might give them real clues that they didn't know about before at all.
0: So let's wrap up this conversation, um, if you had like any final notes about what the importance of preserving Jewish history means to a community like Cleveland.
2: So I think that what is important is that we know where we came from in terms of not just our own family genealogy, but in terms of our, our own community background, whatever that community might be and however we define that community, if we know more about how that community developed, we know more about how it shaped us, and we know more about then how we can live our own lives today.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Cleveland Schmooze, a podcast produced by Rachel and Robin Rood. Tune in every other Friday to get the latest episode in your podcast feed. You can also find an archive of our episodes at our website, clevelandschmooze.com. And feel free to share any comments or suggestions to our email, clevelandschmooze at gmail.com. That's schmooze spelled (laughs) C-A-S-C-H. That's schmooze spelled schmooze. (laughs) Perfect. (sighs)
2: Goodbye. Goodbye.